1: Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for
2: everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern.
0: Welcome into a February 13th edition of Daily Face-Off Live. Streaming live on the Daily Face-Off YouTube. The show, as always, is brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at botano.ca. February 13th. Frank, day away from Valentine's Day. Hope everybody watching has gotten their significant others taken care of. And maybe some last-minute shopping for a few of you.
3: Will you be my Valentine,
0: Tyler? Hey, hey, we'll have more on that tomorrow on the show. I know we got some fun stuff planned for... I mean, you uh, literally will be since we'll be together on valentine's for i don't
3: know how many years in a row now it'll be nice
0: a lot frank but i it's will fun. get the
3: heart-shaped jacuzzi fired up for us freda felcher style
0: please don't uh all right we're gonna be joined freda by freida felcher pop- from girl. cranston uh i i i don't get half your references frank and i feel That's like you you're too
3: young back. come on man classic dumb and dumber references
0: uh all right we're gonna have carter harden the swing sleazy by.
3: french tickler come on <laughs>
0: Now I get that one. Yeah. Um, Carter Harton is swinging by in a little bit. Frank, we're going to talk some goalies today, uh, but a couple (laughs) of other things to check off the list. And last night we saw the new Jersey devils pick up a big three, one win over the Seattle Kraken. And in his second game back from injury, Jack Hughes was looking fantastic. Scored what devil's fans call a vintage Jack Hughes goal from the goal line, banking it off the head of Joey Decord. He picks up two points and they win three, one Frank. He's been in and out of the lineup this year, but a hell Healthy Jack Hughes—that is a—that's a momentum swinger in terms of the Devils' chances of getting back into a playoff spot. You
3: no, know, what it is is a season changer, and I think that's the one thing that you kind of take a step back and you go, "Well, hold on a second here." If Jack Hughes had played the entire season to this point, how much would he be masking some of the true issues that exist with the Devils? I mean, they've played fifty-one games; he's played in thirty-five of them, so he's missed sixteen. And it's totally changed the complexion of their season. It's one thing to miss two of your top six defensemen from last year, as we pointed out, and then have Dougie Hamilton go down making that half of it. It's another thing to have your goaltending really struggle and be in 32nd place in save percentage for the bulk of the season. But to then lose your leading scorer and the face of your franchise on top of that, I mean just hurts there's no other way around it literally and figuratively and i I think if they had a fully healthy jack hughes for those additional 16 games i think they're in a firm playoff spot right now in an odd way maybe that's for the long-term view kind of helpful for the devils that it's exposed some flaws you see them more clearly than you otherwise might not have and you've seen the progression from their young defensemen. Now, if you fix the goaltending and they were pretty close to doing that, then you could maybe have with a healthy Jack Hughes, a team that could go on a run.
0: 51 games this year for the New Jersey Devils. They've given up four or more goals in 23 of those games, that's dangerously close to 50% of the games where you're more or less out of it because you give up four or more goals in today's NHL difficult to win. Jack Hughes speaking after the game said, quote, when we get saves, it's much easier to win. Nico Dawes stopped 27 of 28 after the game. What did you think of that blunt honesty from Hughes?
3: It's fair and deserved. I mean, goaltending is a big part of what's holding the Devils back and to be totally fair to their net minders. They're also playing with a really flawed defense core in front of them. We talked about, you know, Graves and Severson being gone and then Dougie Hamilton out and Jonas Siegenthal are missing time. Like all of that matters and then also impacts and and redirects back on your goaltending as well. It needs to be fixed. And guess what? I, I mentioned that they were pretty close. I believe sources indicated to me that the devils and flames had an agreement in principle, had agreed to terms on a trade that would have sent Jacob Markstrom from Calgary to New Jersey last week, but it was scuttled for some unknown reason. And it wasn't from Jacob Markstrom's end.
0: Wow. I mean that close, I guess. Hey, and, and what a big change that would be for the devils if they could get their hands On a guy like Markstrom, like I said, we're going to talk a little bit more goaltending later on with Carter Hutton. Also last night, Frank Alex Petrangelo hit the 1000 game mark. And I know our friend Paul Paduti at Adjusted Hockey talked about, you know, where he sits in terms of the Hall of Fame discussion at this point in his career. In terms of salary cap era defensemen, he's just the 23rd d men to play a thousand games in the cap era. I know there are a bunch like guys like Pronger and Niedermeyer who played and Lidstrom who played parts of their career in the salary cap era. But in terms of guys who did it all since 06, he's one of the 23. And of those 23, only eight of them average more than 24 minutes a game. It's Doughty, Petrangelo, Ryan Suter, Duncan Keith, Sedeno Chara. Jay Bowmeister, Chris Latang, and Shea Weber. So I guess I'll ask you, Frank. That's kind of the core group, that eight. Where does he rank amongst them for you?
3: He's right in the middle of that pack. And you're talking about the elite of the elite. So it's it's not just, hey, this guy piled up a ton of points in the NHL. It's not just he played 24 minutes and 33 seconds a night during his 1,000-game run. It's Incredibly impactful, how big of a two-way defenseman he was. Yes, he could he could contribute at the offensive end, but the way he defended has been elite. Um, the the total all-encompassing game that Petrangelo has, and he's been decorated for that uh, appropriately enough. Um, you see the the huge role that he played in the two Stanley Cup wins uh for his teams in St. Louis in in Vegas the backbone the anchor of that defense core in both runs but then take a step back and look at it on the international stage representing Team Canada Olympic gold medal like he's done it all at every stop in his career and in some ways you could also make the argument um although he's handsomely paid he's probably for all intents and purposes relative to his impact quite a bit underpaid for his career for how good he's been um, to this point. So um, I think he's checked just about every box. He's not just a fire first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he's going to go down as certainly one of the very best defensemen of his generation.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the Stanley Cup success, the international success. Petrangelo, definitely a guy. Who's done it all? And he's at the thousand game mark, Frank. But I don't think he's exactly out of gas yet either. I I think this is a guy who has a handful more good years left in him. Like, we're gonna see him hit probably the 12, 1250 mark in terms of games played.
3: Look, and more power to him. I think he's got a long way to go. This is a guy that you could see playing until he's 38, 39 years old, and he's been that good.
0: Yeah. Um, certainly a good free agent pickup for the Vegas Golden Knights, and that's probably putting it. Pretty lightly, only 22 defensemen. This is the last stat I dug up that I wanted to share in the cap era. There are only 22 defensemen to currently be averaging 24 minutes a night or more. One of those 22 is rookie D-man Brock Faber with the Minnesota Wilds early in his career, but he is logging some heavy minutes, shows you the company he's a part of.
3: Well, I was going to say the really impressive part about Petrangelo is when you're talking just solely about minutes played. Like if you look at his career arc, he's he's at twenty-four basically right now with the Golden Knights, but he went entire seasons in St. Louis averaging twenty-six. He went a couple play, he went one playoff run at least one series averaging north of 30. Like he's been a horse, but it's the all-encompassing nature of his game that's so impressive.
0: Alex Petrangelo, potential first ballot Hall of Famer, one guy who is a lock to be a first ballot Hall of Famer is Alex Ovechkin, even if he's not playing like it right now, Frank. Obviously, this season, not gone the way Ovi and the Capitals had drawn up. But he's got goals in five straight, Frank, after only eight goals in his first 43 games this season. And we all know about the chase for Gretzky, but I want to just focus in on this year. He's starting to catch fire a little bit. He's now on pace for 22.2 goals over 82 games. What's What's a realistic ceiling for Ovi, we'll say. Not what you think. But what's the most you can see him push this year? Like, Can he still salvage this season and become a 30-goal guy? He
3: can. Uh, I think it's more realistic that he ends up at 25. Um, he's on pace for 22 right now uh, based on games played. But then you look at this sort of, and I don't even know if you can call it rejuvenation, but because it spans both sides of, of the All-Star break, he had one and one game before, and then he's got four and four straight since. Maybe there was just a little magic that that happened for him in Dubai where he was on vacation during the all-star weekend and bye week I, I don't know what the secret to success is for Alex Ovechkin, but he does look different. It's not just the confidence that we're seeing. He, he, he seems like he's kind of moving a little bit better, which I think has been the biggest thing holding Ovechkin back this season. It's not shot volume or quality or anything like that. It's. He doesn't even have the ability, hadn't shown the ability this year to be able to get to his spots where he's made so much magic happen over the years. And then you kind of – so then you work it backwards from here and you say, okay, he's where where he's at right now, if he gets to 25, he's going to be at 847 because all that matters really is, is the chase, right? So he's going to – he could be at 847 if he gets to 25, 852 – if he gets to 30 all of a sudden like you're looking at 894 there and you go okay it's coming clearer into focus for a guy that was just i mean if if we're going to try and combat this record or chase it at 11 or 13 per year i mean it's just going to be agony getting to that point so um for him and for the caps franchise in general i'd say this is a big positive development
0: yeah I think if you if you're someone who is rooting for O v to break that record, you want him to do it when it before it gets like you said, painful, right? The last thing you want is four years from now in game sixty, Ovi puts home his ninth goal of the year. And it's like, hey, he finally did it. It took him five years, but he did it. Um, so we'll see if Ovi, yeah, big kind of down the stretch moment here for Ovi personally for the I, Caval- I think by the
3: way, if that were to be the case, it would kind of tarnish the record a little bit. It would be like, come on, man, you just hung on well past your expiration date. Uh, Clearly, not just, you know, he's arguably the best goal scorer of all time. Like, I think that's already the case when you just go back and look at Gretzky and and some of the goals that he scored on the goalies that he scored them with the equipment that they were wearing. You can't, you know, go back and unring that bell. So I I think the title belongs to Alex Ovechkin. And by the way, um, could be assaulted by um, Austin Matthews at some point not yet but still it wouldn't feel quite right would it if he if he just kind of continued to play out the string like he wouldn't be an authentic even probably nhl player at that point if he's scoring 8 11 12 goals a year until he gets to that point with the record
0: yeah and the other thing too you brought up austin matthews him potentially getting the record the one thing that i believe will separate Obi the fact he was able to stay healthy through his prime like remarkably healthy through his prime and that's just not something we've seen yet from matthews uh frank we cannot go a show without talking a little bit of trades it's our deadline countdown article up today at dailyfaceoff.com today's was courtesy of Stephen ellis our prospect guru and he talked about sort of five aggressive teams five buyers who Carry a lot of weight prospect wise. Maybe they don't have the first round picks to give up. Some of these teams also do have that, but teams that could use their prospect pool to beef, beef up and strengthen their Stanley Cup chances this year. These were kind of the top five and the top prospects, Stephen Ellis labeled with them. The one that's interesting, New Jersey up at that top spot, Frank. Do you get the sense that there's a strong appetite in, uh, or sorry, in Winnipeg, I should say, to uh, go dip into the pool and trade a big name like a Brad Lambert?
3: I don't. I think that's been part of the key to success for Kevin Cheveldayoff and the Jets has typically been not giving up those guys that they'd be much more willing at times to give up the pick. Um, and look, I think that's been part of the key to this deadline in general. I mean, look at the Vancouver Canucks. They're able to add Elias Lindholm and they don't give up their top prospect in LaCara Mackey. And the fact that they didn't have to do that and dip into that, I think it, it makes them so much stronger in the long haul. Not to say that the pick won't mean anything, but you have a known commodity that you've seen grow in additional couple years to the point where you you have a way better chance of projecting accurately what that player is and isn't. I always say it's so incredibly hard to pick 18 year olds to know who's going to be the best at age 23. It's not who's the best player at age 18. That's kind of easy to suss out. That's what the art of scouting is and and when you look at some of these guys like there's some really impressive players not just on this list but if you were to, you know, go deeper a couple layers down I get like even just looking at Steven's list I'm not quibbling with it but I'm not sure that Dylan Holloway is the Oilers' best prospect. I would think right now it's Philip Roberg based on the way that he's played in the AHL. And I also think he's going to factor into their deadline plans in the sense of how they approach and think about this deadline, that he's someone right now, NHL ready, that could be contributing to the left side of your defense with a, a minimal cap hit. To have that in your arsenal and to be able to hang on to that instead of use it as a trade chip, which they might be inclined to do, um, it's it creates a real discussion point and also... A point of interest and intrigue in terms of being able to win deals. Kind of think of it like you're going to buy a house. You want to be able to present the best offer available. You don't want to come in and say, "Well, I'm only going to buy your house if my house sells first. I'm only going to buy your house with uh, if unless I can get a crazy unreachable mortgage rate, whatever it might be. You want the best package to win the player that you want. And so it's it's a really good thing for all these teams to not just have guys that they believe in, but also guys that other teams believe in
0: yeah it's interesting you mentioned broberg maybe is the oilers top prospect I, actually, I think it's dylan holloway who might be the lone untouchable in that group though like i just think with the chance for him to be a one to 1.5 million dollar guy for the next two years and contribute to what is a pretty expensive forward group i think they can't afford to lose yeah that kind of luxury
3: and the speed that he brings right it's yeah. not just the cap flexibility but there's a lot of reasons why If you feel really good about the players you have, don't don't move them. Keep them.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's move along to our big segment for the day. It's the Blue Paint with Carter Hutton. The Blue Paint is delivered by DoorDash. For a limited time, our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. All you need to do is download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code NATION25. Dash that for the win and order in with DoorDash this week. Carter Hutton, the former NHLer, you also see him at the top of that starting goalies page on daily face off with the starting goalie report Carter a handful of crease situations around the league I want to pick your brain on and the first is one of the better stories in the NHL this year in Aiden Hill a year ago now he was kind of buried on that Golden Knights depth chart and now he's one of the best goalies in the league did he always have this in him or has his game really just progressed that much over the last 12 to 18 months.
2: You know honestly Tyler I think it's a bit of maturity too right he you know he's got some years in the league and all of a sudden you start to filter out the noise and you start to find what works for you and for me I think last year was obviously a big stepping stone for him in the playoffs I can't. I don't think anyone saw this year that he would be this successful. But for me, he's played so well, and he's really fine tuned his game. And if you add in his numbers from the regular season, to the postseason, he's over a 920 save percentage, and he's been rock solid. I like how he's simplifying his game. For me, it gives me feels of Connor Hellebuck, a little bit unorthodox, but he manages the game well. And with Vegas's defense and core, he's the perfect goalie for that situation. And I see him running away with it this year.
3: Yeah, he's certainly been impressive. I wanted to ask you about Sam Erson in Philly. Everyone's kind of attention has been focused on the Flyers crease since Carter Hart uh, took his leave of absence and was charged with sexual assault uh, in London, Ontario. But when you look at Erson, a guy who kind of burst onto the scene, not really heralded, but hes they've asked him to do a lot and he's played pretty well. Is he a guy that you think can grow into being a – Legit 1A, or is he just a temporary stopgap solution for the Flyers?
2: You know, I think he has the potential to be a 1A. Kind of gives me the Corral Vamelka feel. You know, kind of came in out of nowhere, solid, simplified his game. And for me, this last three games has been important, right? Carter Hart's gone. It's his crease now, and he's won his last three. Gave up a few last night, but in those three wins, beating Winnipeg, beating Florida, some teams that are really good. And this is a big measuring stick for him. For me, it's that feel of, I remember when I was first breaking in, when you get those big games and finding ways to get wins, builds your confidence, build his mental standpoint. And for me, I think he has a chance to help this young team that's pretty green, you know, solidify this net while they go through this struggles with Carter Hart being gone.
3: Yeah, it was really interesting to hear Keith Jones, the Flyers president of Hockey Ops, say on the Snow the Goalie podcast last week that they've got three Russian goalies that are on the way, including some sooner rather than later. So the Flyers have some reinforcements coming and they've spent a lot of draft capital trying to beef up that position. Um, just going up the turnpike to New York, Igor Shesterkin, he kind of showed flashes the last couple games of him being back on track. I know the season has been a bit off the rails for him to the point where he had to take a break to refocus his game with Benoit Allaire, What's gone wrong and and how confident should Ranger fans feel now that Shesterkin might be back?
2: You know, it's a guy where he's had a lot of playoff success, right? For me, I think it's been magnified because of how good John Quick has been, but also even that all-star break, getting a chance to almost reset yourself, get away from the game, have some fun. And in the all-star game, I thought he played very well. He looked like more explosive, more compact. And for me, I don't think this is a worry. I played for Peter Laviolette. He does a great job of finding time for his goalies. Even when I was not playing a lot behind Pekka Rene, he would find time to get me time. Or if Pekka was struggling, find time. So he's very conscious of his goalies. And I think for me, having a guy like Quick who understands his role, he's not trying to undermine Shosturkin at all. I think I wouldn't be worried in New York. I'd be excited about the potential of this guy peaking at the right times
0: how big of that how big do you think that is it's a veteran behind igor shesterk and it's not you know another 24 to 26 year old who maybe he'd feel a little bit of pressure from like it is a guy who's been there done that who he can lean on but also who he knows isn't some sort of long-term threat to his job
2: yeah it's important right i feel like for me i i dealt with that sometimes being the guy i remember me and jake allen there was always that weird chaos because of he it was his time to be the starter i came in and i was kind of taking minutes from him where there was other times where I was the veteran guy and there was a guy helping you out. So I think in this case it's quick is going to be transparent. Quick just wants to win, whether he's playing or not playing, he's going to be a good teammate. He's been around the game for a long time. So I think that's important where you look at some other teams where they don't have that veteran leadership. It kind of calms the guys down knowing they have quick there, but at the same time, everybody knows this is just net and let's get him going. Cause he's going to be the guy that can bring us to the promised land.
0: Jacob Markstrom, the rumors are getting stronger and stronger. Frank just said a couple of minutes ago here on the show about the possibility or just how close it was between the Flames and the Devils to make something happen. What do you make of that
2: fit? Is this a guy two more years at a $6 million cap it? Is he the answer for the Devils? So you go back to the talking about the Rangers, right? And having John quick, having that veteran leadership in the room where the New Jersey devils don't have that when it comes to being in net. Now you start questioning your goalies. There's a display of confidence when you have a veteran guy that can go in there, shut the door and just be a presence in the locker room. It means a lot when you're worried about the next shot on goal. And for me, I love this deal because he has term on his deal. He could go there and he can be a bit of a stopgap until they get a guy that's ready to go. It's not just a rental player. Obviously New Jersey's season hasn't gone as it, as it should, but I think having a veteran guy like Markstrom who knows how to be a pro, knows how to play in the big games, being around this younger core of goalies will help this team gain some confidence and get to where they need to be.
3: So when it it comes to Markstrom and you hear players like Jack Hughes say it's easy to win when you get saves, I mean, that's obviously a pretty pointed you know, kind of shot at your goalie situation. And I don't mean one specific guy, but just in general, when you're ranked 32nd in the league in save percentage, not great. If that's what they're saying publicly, what's it like, do you think, behind the scenes when they kind of know that no one's there to help them out?
2: Yeah, it's tough. It has a mental toll, right? And I've dealt with it personally. I've been on teams where the other goalies struggled and you can feel the presence during a game, right? You go into a game and that first shot, you can see if your goalie's comfortable or not. Toronto dealt with this year with Samson off. It was like when he was playing, they're gripping their sticks. They're worried about every next shot. So him publicly saying that is definitely a shot. Obviously something The new age NHL, you're going to hear different things. Guys are more vocal where before that would be kept in house. But it is an awkward feeling in the room after that gets said. And just knowing that you're struggling and you're trying to get through it. So getting a veteran guy to kind of calm things down and be that rock. Because I'm telling you, if Jack Hughes has Jacob Markstrom as a goalie and he has a bad game, he's definitely not saying that. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Carter Hutton with the blue paint. You can find him five days a week on the Daily Off, starting goalies page with fantastic insight. You've been nailing the bets as of late as well. Appreciate you doing this, Carter.
2: Thanks. No problem. We're going under as always. <laughs>
0: Yeah, everyone hates betting unders except for well, the goalie guy. And that makes a lot of sense. Uh, a follow up for you, Frank, on the goalie conversation. that comes in from Adam Recamp on the Daily Face Off YouTube. He wants to know a little bit more about the market for Markstrom. And he mentioned the Kings. Shouldn't that be a team looking for a goalie?
3: It makes sense to me. I mean, stability, I think, is the key. Here's the problem the Kings they've clearly aligned their cap situation to go on the bargain side on goalies. Now I believe part of the transaction was for the flames to retain or potentially retain on Markstrom to make it a bit easier for wherever he'd be heading, which obviously makes the deal a lot more palatable and you could juice the return smart for Calgary. If that was the play and it makes sense why New Jersey would want that, but would it be enough to make something like that happen in L.A.? I'm I'm not convinced.
0: Fair enough. Our daily face-off inbox question brought to you by Tourism Jasper. Head to jasper.travel now to find out everything you can do in the Rockies. The possibilities are endless. Winter cabins at the Overlander like we were, Frank. Helicopter tours, skiing with the new knob quad chair out in Jasper. travel. Our daily bets for the day brought to you by... (laughs) I was going to say, I'm
3: not on that helicopter tour. There's a weight limit here. Settle down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm just cruising right past that into my bets, Frank. I got a handful of plays for today. Over one and a half shot prop parlay. You know I love these, and these two guys are both in great spots. Pavel Zaka of the Boston Bruins. He was on a really good run. He had hit in 11 of 12 games before missing in back-to-back. So what it did is it brought his number back down to one and a half from two and a half. Love Zaka here tonight. Thomas Harley. Here is last five games. Eight shots, four shots, no shots, but then four shots and five shots. He's been murdering this in games, So I love going to those two at plus 162. The over between the Blues and the Maple Leafs. The over is hitting five of seven for the Blues and two of three for the Leafs since they came back from all-star break. Like that, it's closer to even money. It's the underdog of the two options. Give me the over between St. Louis and Toronto. And the LA Kings on the puck line, they came back under new head coach Jim Hiller, covered the puck line comfortably against the Oilers. Now they're out on the road, and I like them to do it again. Plus 167, let me bet on that new coach bump. As long as one of my big plus money bets hits, I'll be uh, feeling yeah. pretty good, Frank. So And Owen go.
3: Power missing the game, missing the next few games for the Buffalo Sabres. So add that in on the
0: list. Yeah, that is a, another good reason to be backing. The Kings are fading. The Sabres, I suppose, we're going to wrap up the show with a little bit of garbage time brought to you by the Wendy's Daily Face-Off Survivor Game. Frank, Vegas finished with 30. I needed 30 and a half, so I'm out on one shot. I missed by one. Come on.
3: I, uh, I had uh, the Flyers beating the Yotes last night, so... I don't want to scare anyone, but I'm advancing to day two and trying to make a date to day three. I'm going with a Bruins win over the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight. 58% of the 300 plus people remaining in the daily faceoff survivor game this week are riding with me and the Bruins. You know, get on board, hop aboard the Bye. train.
0: Uh, Brought to you by Wendy's. If you're a loser like me, you can be a winner at lunchtime with Wendy's and the Wendy's app. 150 bonus reward points on your first order when you download the Wendy's app today. Garbage time, Frank. We're, uh, I mean, who knows how far away we are from a decision on the Morgan Riley suspension, but you had something on that.
3: Yeah, probably a little bit later tonight. uh, A snowstorm that we have here on the East Coast, which not only has given my kids a snow day, and you could probably hear them playing PlayStation in the room next to me. Uh, but has also forced an in-person hearing and changed it into a virtual hearing conducted via Zoom for the NHL today between the Department of Player Safety, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the NHLPA, and Morgan Riley. Well, we're all waiting, but it's kind of funny to me to hear the reaction that we get from around the hockey world, which mostly resulted in fatigue on Monday. It was like, stop. People were like, stop talking about this. And I get that there's been a lot of discord, so to speak, about the subject, and everyone has their take, whether they like or hate what Ridley Gregg did, or they like or hate the response or abhor the response from Morgan Riley. Whatever your take is, mine is, this is all really healthy for the NHL. There was some slogan going around the league and on social media channels on Monday, "Make hockey violent again." I don't think we need to go that far. I think that's a bridge too far, But I would change it to make hockey spicy again. And that's what we need in this sport. There's a reason why WWE and and everything else is so incredibly popular, the NBA, There's spicy stuff that happens on the daily. We need more of that in this league, not less of it. And so I love both ends of how this played out. And now whatever the circumstances might be for Morgan Riley, five games, six games, whatever it ends up being, maybe even less, it's going to be a pretty significant juncture in the Toronto Maple Leaf season as they try and cling to a playoff spot without their best defenseman for the next period of time.
0: A potential pivotal moment in the leaf season. We talked about that yesterday. If you missed the show, go back and listen to everything Jay Rosehill had to say. That'll be a wrap on a Tuesday edition of the program. We will be back tomorrow, Wednesday, with our boy, Luke Gazdick. We'll chat with you then.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Daily Faceoff Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Have a catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row
0: but there's more. You gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's gonna find the back of the net first and you're gonna wanna be careful cause that's one that could be cooked early on In the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff?